Welcome to the Cape First Podcast. I am your host Seb and with me is my co-host Thomas and today we're going to be talking about The Witcher series on Netflix. I am super excited to talk about this. Thomas, what about you? How excited are you? Are you on the same level of excitement I am on? Probably not, no. Well, why not? Because <laughs> I, I, I have a very um, loose relationship with The Witcher, I suppose. I've seen the Netflix uh, show, and that's about it. I've played the start of The Witcher 3, and I, I've liked what I've played so far, but I haven't finished the game yet. I'm waiting for it to get It's, it's a long game. It's a massive game. Yeah. Um, Uh, Because that's the thing. When I started playing it, there was other things that I had to play at the same time. Like I started The Last of Us at the same time as I started Witcher 3. So I played The Last of Us. And then I keep finding games where I'm like, well, that's shorter than The Witcher, so I'll play that first. But it's getting to the point now where I just just need to play The Witcher. You just need to play it. it. It's been like a year. I've had that game for like a year and two months. Did we not get that? I've still played it. Christmas or something. I swear we got that for your birthday or Christmas or something. Because I remember uh, getting the game for you. Or like going in with one of our friends in CEX and pointing it out to them. Yeah, Lauren, Lauren Lauren, got it for me for Christmas. But she said that you helped her pick it out. Yeah, I was I was really annoyed because I didn't actually own the game then. I had only played it through like the Xbox Pass. And so I kept on re- renewing my Xbox Pass to continue <laughs> playing it. I was like, screw this. I'll just I'll just buy the game. Weirdly enough, I actually became uh, a Witcher fan by watching season one. I remember... Really? Yeah, I remember watching... Well, no, actually, it goes way back. It goes further back than that. I remember in high school, one of my friends was playing the Witcher game. Because he was such a good friend, he just turned to me and said, Oh, you you wouldn't like this game. Don't play it. It's not not your cup of tea. And I believed him. And so I was like, yeah, fair enough. I won't play it. You know, good good call, mate. And then when season one came out... (laughs) Fast forward, what, five, six six years later. This is when I was living in France, and I watched it all in, like, two days. I was like, oh, my God, that was amazing. And then one of our friends mentioned that it was a book series. It's like, oh, you're kidding me. And then when I was back home for Christmas and I was in a bookshop, I found the first one, The Last Wish, and I was like, oh, it's, it's Destiny. It's des- That's a little reference, you know, Destiny. Anyway, and so... I, I thought it was actually pretty good. I'm really chuffed with myself on that one. And that's when, you know, I was I was invested in the story. And then that's when I finally got around to playing the game. Ignored my friend from high school saying that, oh, you wouldn't like it. I went back and played it and said, fuck you. I do love it. And that's that's where yeah, I see, am today. I, I remember when that game came out because I, I, I was a big Skyrim fan. So mm-hmm. I've been playing Skyrim um, like on repeat since i got hold of it people were like well when the witcher came out it was like well the witch is like a better fantasy game the witch is the the best fantasy game and one i was like weirdly not like loyal to skyrim i was like no mm-hmm. skyrim's the best fantasy game fuck you and two i didn't like the fact that it was the witcher 3 because i didn't like hopping in on a series so many games in because i was like well i don't know the story i've i've done it since like i played mortal kombat 11 without playing any of the other games i think i just watched like a breakdown online about what the story was but for the most part i don't like like starting a game series however many in but i don't like playing the very first game in a series and working my way through because the first in a series is almost always incredibly outdated it's like it's like the first fallout game i'm pretty sure is just like 
a top-down game like the old Pokemon was. And it's like you have a hundred days in-game to complete the story. And if you don't get... You have to go out and find a water filter. And if you don't find a water filter within a hundred days, you die. Game over. It sounded really archaic to me and really like old-fashioned. So I never went in. And it's the same with The Witcher. Because I was like, oh, maybe I should play the first two. And I looked it up and it was like the, the PC games... And I think they're in Polish. I think you can get English copies, but I think they were produced in Polish. And I was like, well, fuck that. That sounds like effort. So I never played The Witcher until recently. And but it I was sp- something I was aware of. One of those, yeah. like I'd see pictures of Geralt. I knew who he was, but I knew nothing about the story of the world that he was in. I thought Geralt was the only Witcher. Oh, you fool. <laughs> yeah, I thought, he was, I thought he was like the last of his kind. I thought it was like a last of the Time Lords. Last of, last of the situation. <laughs> I thought it was something like that. And then when I was like, when I started playing, I think it was like when I watched the show, and there was like talk of other witches and then i played the game and he's got another witcher friend i was like oh he's not the last of the witches i see so yeah i was i'm very naive in this series it's a nice change of pace i suppose i feel like i'm the one who has all the knowledge here all the knowledge to share to help you guide you through the world of the witcher how exciting well, that. in that case I'm, i am very excited because i have a lot of questions i hope i can answer them all <laughs> Probably not, it's you, said. You know what? If I don't have an answer to these questions, I will leave a link in the episode for like, right, if you want this if you want this question answered, follow the link. This is this is where you go you to find go out. Go back and read the box and <laughs> citations for me. So where do you want to start? I thought we'd start with uh, season one, the first Witcher series. I thought we'd stay closely with the uh, Netflix shows because the TV shows and the books are very, very different. You can tell that Netflix are taking a specific route with this story. I am curious to see how this is different from the book. So that is something I want to talk about as we go. Yeah, it's it's something quite interesting because I watched the series, then read the books. I, I was quite aware of like the various changes. But what, what did you think mm. of season one as a whole? What were your thoughts and opinions? What did you, did you like it? Did you enjoy it? Did you hate it? See, I, I didn't rewatch season one uh, before recording this, which was probably a mistake. Um, Probably. I actually, uh, jumping ahead slightly, when I was watching season two, getting ready for this, there was halfway through where I was like, fuck, I should have rewatched season one. Because the politics got a little confusing for me. So I stopped the episode. I went and watched a breakdown of season one for like some of the plot to kind of clear mm-hmm. some stuff up and then continued with the season. So my memories of season one are a little iffy. But I do remember absolutely loving that first episode. The first episode I remember was very strong, and I thought the the fight choreography oh. when he's in the village and he's he's taking on all those people. I thought that was done really well. I thought that was just and beautiful. It took a while to adjust to Henry Cavill's Geralt voice. Nothing. I don't think it's anything against him. It's it's the same with any actor who I know is doing an accent. It will take me a while to adjust to their accent. It's like uh, Benedict Cumberbatch in Doctor Strange. I think for Geralt or Henry Cavill playing Geralt, I think it was more so because of the success of the Witcher games and everyone loving the actor playing Geralt in the games. Like his voice was quite iconic. It was everyone thought he did a really good job at bringing this character to life in the games. And so reading up on about how Henry Cavill sort of came to doing his own voice for Geralt, he didn't want to do the exact same thing that this guy had done. You know, he, he wanted to try doing something different, but also at the same time appealing to the fans. So it was like a hard yeah, task for him to like keep that balance right. 
Yeah, because that he he's he's clearly not that he's not a fan of the books because I think he's gone back and read them, but I think mm. he fell in love with the character through the games because he's yeah. like a big gamer nerd, isn't he? Mm. Um, he's one of us. He's one of our kind. <laughs> we should bring so, him on to the uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe can, can you imagine a tiny podcast no one listens to, but Henry Cavill's on it? Well, can I point out that would be the first time that we actually say famed expert, you know, and it would actually you know, pay you know off. What, you know what, Seb? I I'd respect you so much. You'd actually earn my respect if you managed to get him on this podcast. Oh, I'm gonna try. <laughs> Reach Jeez. out to him. See what he said. This be, this will this is your life goal. He has to get on there. Tell him we love him and that we will will like do his laundry. We'll be his manservants. We'll be his bitches. We'll be his bitches. You know what? Um, come to think of it, he's he's the only celebrity I'd want to interview about nerd shit because I feel oh. like he'd be as invested. Oh, he's you know. he's really honest about his like his hobbies and his nerdy stuff. Like I remember watching him on Graham Norton, and Graham Norton was sort of ripping into him for his love for Warhammer, and like he was just sitting there, he's like, yeah, I love it. And I, yeah. I think I've seen I think, that interview. Yeah, and I think it was in that interview where he was asking, like, do you correct people on the show? And I think he does. Mm. And to be honest, I, I kind of like that because it's, it's an actor who cares about the story. He's passionate about the project. You don't want someone, like, half-assing it, just viewing it as, like, yeah. oh, this is, this is how I'm going to get paid for this week, you know? They're actually invested th- and I wanting to make it good. Henry Cavill ser- like, seems to really love this character. And puts yeah. a lot into this character, which is always appreciated. He's he's absolutely jacked in this show. It's... But he's just jacked in real life. He's jacked in he real life specifically to it's... be the Witcher. No, he, it, it, he gets it... jacked because he likes going to the gym. I don't think he's like I've got to get in Witcher shape. He's like I just got to get in peak physical human shape. But because that's what you... I like doing. Yeah, but did you not know like when he was in high school, he was he was called Fat Cavill. <laughs> yeah, I did hear that. I did hear that. So. Could it's you possible. imagine the people he went to school with? Oh, they must have been. Oh, they'd be shocked. They'd be. I, I feel some of them will be pissed. Like, oh my god, what? <laughs> In disbelief that this guy is just a walking, killing machine. You know, he's Superman, <laughs> Geralt, potentially James Bond. Who knows? He's well done, Henry Cavill. I feel he deserves just a round of applause. He's done a great job. You know, I'm proud of him. So. In terms of um, going back to the original question, in terms oh, yes. of my thoughts of, of the of the overall first season, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I thought the performances were strong. I thought the individual characters were done really well. Mm-hmm. However, oh. because because it was the first season of a fantasy series, there seemed to be some budget issues. Oh, you um, think? Not massively. I remember I remember watching season one and some of the monster effects looking. <laughs> weird and goofy mm-hmm. like some of the cgi monsters some of them looked really good but some of them i was like that's clearly like that's like some that's like some rough outline of some cgi it also felt like a bunch of the sets were being reused and there was times where the uh, not sets like locations like certain locations would be reused for different environments i noticed that there were times where someone would be and it happens again in season two where someone's like running through a forest it cuts to someone else. It cuts back to the person running and all of a sudden they're in like a hilly mountain region. It's inevitably going to be compared to Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Um, because Game because this is like, it's fantasy, but it's also got a lot of political stuff going on. And mm-hmm. Game of Thrones had similar p- 
political stuff and it was also a fantasy series. But I know they are different because Witcher is more high fantasy. There was a lot more magic and potions and all that crap. Yeah. Game of Thrones, there was very little fantasy. It was more medieval with fantasy elements. However, when you watch Game of Thrones, you feel a distinction between the various houses and locations and different armies you, and different architecture. You look at Win, you look at Winterfell and you look at King's Landing and they are very different. You're introduced to the Starks and they're all fur cloaks and black and grey and it's snowing and raining all the time. And then when the Lannisters comes and they're all red and gold and pretty and perfect, you understand the difference and the distinction between the two. Same when you go to Dawn or when you go over to the east and you see Daenerys. Everything has its own texture and vibrancy. Whereas in this series, for a lot of it, Sintra, Nilfgaard, Kermorin, all these places, there wasn't enough of a distinction between the two to the point where when I was watching season two again, I was getting confused where, okay, so who are the Nilfgaardians? Who, who are the elves? Who are the northern kingdoms? Which, And it's not like I was confused by the politics. It was just you'd cut to a scene. And they all and look similar? Ca- yeah. Characters are running through a location and you have guards chasing them. And I'm like, I could not tell you which family, which kingdom those guards work for. In Game of Thrones, you can because they give, they have a very big emphasis on red and golds for the Lannisters silvers for the starks and even beyond lannisters and starks everyone has their own badge their own sigil their own house the Nilfgaardians, the 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 northern kingdoms not so much and as for the northern kingdoms i can even fucking tell you what the northern kingdoms are who leads them what their goal is are they good are they bad but not in like a oh it's ambiguous and more of a i it's don't know what the cut. individual kingdoms are wanting yeah i don't think it's ambiguous in terms of like are they doing good things are they doing bad things what they're going to do it's more a case of like i don't know what they're trying to do in the first place so i don't know if it's good or bad well this this is the thing like for me um i'll be honest i wasn't totally totally invested in the politics stuff in the the witcher universe you know because like in the in the books um like while i was reading the first four it's meant the main focus is on Geralt, you know um, and his adventures and creating this world around them, um, so mm. I, I can I can I can understand your annoyance about how the the politics isn't so much developed and clear cut and everything because that was the same thought for me where I I, I had to like you know Google some stuff up because I was generally confused first time around watching season one just as a you know not not being a fan at the beginning. Um, I was a bit confused, mm. so I do understand where you're coming from. And I, I don't know why they're focusing more on the politics and everything. Um, because in the games and in the books, it's more about Siri and the Witcher and his adventures and everything. And the politics is, is sort of in the uh, foreground, you know? It's not it's not like the main purpose of yeah. the show, like like Game of I, Thrones. I think... I, I think that's I think the reason why they're focusing on the politics is because of Game of Thrones. Oh, absolutely, think, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's the main reason is because Game of Thrones was such a high like high end drama and a cultural phenomenon. We've not had a show like it where I guess something like Squid Game, I guess, where everyone kind of tunes in and watches it, but 
that's like a one-off. Se- I mean, it's not like a one-off series now. They're doing more. It's getting season two. But I think. It, at the time, yeah. Well, they. I think they said the Squid Game universe has just begun. Oh my god! Which I have no interest in. <laughs> like it was a good show, but I don't want to see spin-offs of every fucking character. No, anyway, no. not important. Game of Thrones is this big cultural phenomenon where every year everyone, more or less, would tune in to see yeah. Game of Thrones, and the actors were huge everyone in game of thrones was huge whereas now that game of thrones has ended for the most part a bunch of them have kind of tailed off and people Mm -hmm. aren't following them as like die hard as they used to and i think the reason for that is because it gave fantasy a bit of legitimacy it wasn't just magic and sword and sandals and all that crap it was political and i feel like the reason why they've lent into the politics in the witcher series is because they're trying to keep hold of that legitimacy they're trying to instead of but i don't think you need politics to be a legitimate drama oh, no. or a legitimate fantasy series no, look at lord you of the just rings need good characters exactly you need good characters and a good story but i also think one of the weak points of season one was the weird timeline thing they did yeah um, i was going to bring that up and thinking what you thought of that but i was just going off on what you were saying i can sort of understand why they're keeping up with the politics and everything because my dad he's not the biggest fan of, of lord of the rings you know he, he he doesn't get it he doesn't see the hype over it he doesn't understand the hype over harry potter he's not into those um fantasy stories but he enjoyed house of cards that had a lot of politics and i think that's what they're trying to do to bring in more people into fantasy and bringing people like my dad who enjoy the politics and like the drama and the you know the you know the political drama putting those two words together and that's what they're doing, I think. And I think that's what Witcher is trying to do as well. But I'm, to be honest, yeah. I kind of switch off at those points because I'm like, I, I kind of want more Geralt. You know, that's why I'm here for. The show is called The Witcher. Same. Yeah, he's he's hardly in it at most most points. But I understand they're trying to build this world because this is like Netflix's big thing. This is their thing they're putting in a lot of money in. Like, I think if you type in Witcher on Netflix, they've actually got like a collection of stuff that they've got coming. Like behind the scenes stuff, um, the anime film, the prequel series coming. They're they're this is their baby, and they're wanting to mm. put in a lot of effort and time in building this world, so that they have something, uh, you know, that other streaming services don't have. Um, it does. It does look like they've um, they've gone full franchise with oh, this, yeah. uh, with The Witcher. Um, as we'll talk about later, they're, they're doing spin-offs, they're doing... Oh, yeah, so they're, much later. They're doing all kinds of shit. And what's interesting is because Netflix doesn't really release their numbers, they could... Because I, I don't know how successful The Witcher has been. They could be lying. Um, <laughs> it's doing They shit. could just be fucking funneling money into this well, and this hoping that thing. eventually it becomes a global phenomenon. Yeah. Um, it was another... Um, inter- it was Henry Cavill in an interview... And someone said, oh, season two has been a, 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 a huge success on Netflix and everything. And he kind of shrugs and went like, yeah, but like, there's there's going to be another huge su- success on Netflix. Like, he didn't seem proud of the fact that season two was getting all this uh, uh, good reception and critical uh, reviews and everything. And he just kind of shrugged his shoulders going like, well, yeah, everything's good on Netflix. You know, I thought that was quite interesting to see. Someone who's passionate about the project it's, and he kind of just shrugs his shoulders. It's probably, I, I imagine it's it's an attempt to be humble and it's also a, an be. attempt not to piss off the studio because you you don't want to be like, yeah, 
Witcher is the best thing on Netflix. Fuck everything else that like, you don't want to come across there. Yeah. Was if was if it's probably safer to be like Netflix has a lot of good content and I'm and I'm glad our people are enjoying our series. It's yeah. probably like a very diplomatic answer. What's what's interesting though is after that first season, it took them like a couple years to get round to season two, and that's you know partly because of COVID and stuff like that. A big plot point of this show is Siri mm-hmm. and how she's kind of like you've got this trio of characters that are kind of going to evolve into a family unit over the course of the story. Yeah, and what I'm curious is how closely that story arc will follow the books because i know there's like a lot of stuff that has changed in terms of like translation from season from like the books to seasons of show yeah but how how different i wonder i wonder how one how different it is and two i'm curious how old the actress is who plays siri because and does siri get older over the course of the books because it's like if they want to, there's like what eight books. If they want to get mm-hmm. eight seasons out this show, then surely the actress is gonna like, yeah, grow up a lot. Is, is that gonna is that gonna be an issue? You know, I, I, it's like something about it, it's kind of like with um, uh, what's it called? It when they did the second ah uh, yes yes and they yes, had yes. to de-age all the kids when they were doing <laughs> the flashbacks because the kids grow up. And I know that the actress who plays Syria, I think she's only like, I think she's like twenty or something. Like I don't think she's like a kid. Mm-hmm. but you know what i mean like how long can she reasonably play a teenager for but um sort of answering all those questions that you've just thrown at it's not gonna be, i don't think it's <laughs> <laughs> you just rattled it was like i have a question and then you said <laughs> like I've, I've a question that will lead into 10 different questions uh that's basically what you did there um but no i don't think it's going to be so much of a problem with the actress aging because the character does age over time. Like you said, there's eight books. She's going to age. And, you know, you know, in the book, she spends some time with uh, some witches and it's it's been a while. And also in the games, she's a teenager or a young adult, I would say. So it's it's not a big concern with the actress aging as well, you know. Um, it can, it kind of works well, to be honest. But uh, going back to, to be honest, I've forgotten all your questions. So I'm going to try my best in answering some of them, <laughs> well, but my with... main one was well, that was one, and then my other one was also how different is yeah. the first season from the books? When I first watched it, yeah, you know the time jumps were all over the place. You know, uh, it, it took me a while to realize that you know Geralt's story was happening at a different time of Ciri's story and Yennefer's story, so they're all over the place. And reading the first two books because the first two books are short stories of Geralt's adventures and. Um, the author, uh, I'm so sorry if I butcher his name again, Andreas Spakowski. It's like, I think it's like Andrei Sapowski or something like Sapowski. that. Sapowski. We were practicing beforehand. <laughs> we spent, yeah, we literally, we were like Googling the pronunciation, like, please, we need to get this right. We and we fucked right. it up straight away. The author, um, like the first two books is short stories, Building the World. Uh, and you hear like many stories about Geralt's adventures and how he deals with various monsters. And some of the short stories that Geralt goes on are based on those short stories in the books. Like, you know, the story with Yennefer and Geralt with the wish and everything and the genie, that's that's in the books. Uh, the Golden Dragon, that's that's also in the books. Oh, uh, yeah. 
Um, but then there's some others that are a wee bit different. Um, like the opening one, you know, that, that, that is also from the books as well. But they change it just, mm. just a tiny bit. And it's unfortunately due with the length of the episode. You know, they could only share, say so much. Um, I can't remember the specific plot point it was. But uh, in the book, I think because it's a wizard. Oh, it's, it's, it's been a while since I've watched season one and read the first book. But I think that it's about this wizard getting concerned about getting killed by this uh, huntress. And it's... Oh, in, is it Stragobar? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I'm terrible with names as well. I'm, I'm only good at describing the events. <laughs> so hopefully you'll keep <laughs> me right with the names and everything. But like in the show... Again, it's very loosely, but I think Geralt suddenly realizes, like, oh shit, he, he, she is going after the Witcher, the wizard. I've got to go help. But in the books, it kind of goes into more depths as how he comes to that realization. It's not just him sitting in the woods going, oh shit, I need to go help. Like in the books, like he does a bit of detecting work. Almost. Yeah, it's it's a wee bit more elaborative. And so, you know, when you read that and then see the show, you're going like, well, you've 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 kind of changed it a bit, and it does kind of look a bit weird. So there's little changes, but. Uh, retelling the short stories that were in the books and i thought that was the reason why the time jumps were all over the place because it was trying to replicate what it was like in the books sort of going sort of reading up more about it like the reason why we have the various time jumps and everything like the big the big story Cause it, arc because season one because season one follows three separate characters yeah it follows, for the for the most part you have um yennefer mm-hmm. uh, which is the storyline that is set the furthest in the past yeah. you have the witcher who is kind of present day you could say Ish. and then you have siri who is in the future if you yeah. frame it all from like Geralt's point of view and then as the as season one goes on yennefer catches up to the witcher and then the witcher catch the witcher and yennefer both catch up to siri and the show ends with all three timelines kind of converging emerging yeah um, and i think and that's the whole purpose is to show that you know all these characters at all different times and events, they can still be brought together due to the magic in uh, in, in the Witcher universe the, the, by destiny. They're all entwined yeah. by destiny. And so that's, I believe that's the reason why it was portrayed in that manner. And um, so some people will be happy that it's like, oh, it's like the short stories in the books. Um, but also at the same time, it's like, oh, it's, it's connected by destiny. Stuff that, you know, the magic that runs this universe. Do you want to, do you want to know why I thought they did it? Why? Have you seen the first season of Westworld? No. Right. Um, do you care about Westworld? Not at all. Right. Well, spoilers for Westworld, everyone. In the first season of that show, it's the only one I've watched. Um, I, I kind of the the stuff that I liked about Westworld was gone by the end of that first season. Characters that I like were dead, and story ideas were kind of dropped because it was more about like robots invading mm. the real world and shit like that so i dropped off season two and three but for that first season there is a storyline of a character who it's revealed that the story you've been watching is set in the past and that this character because it's it's westworld follows like there's like several different characters and you follow their different journeys throughout the show and they all kind of intersect but there's this one guy who, for the most part, his story is completely removed from everyone else's story. It turns out that his story was set in the past, and it was actually an origin story for the villain called the Man in Black. That story, so there's like two separate timelines. There's the present day, and then there's this guy in the past. And at the end, it's a big reveal 
that he is the man in black, this villain, and it's the same character. And throughout the course of the season, there's little clues that it is set in the past. Stuff like when he arrives at the theme park, because it all takes place in like a theme park and it's like full immersion and there's like robots that you can like kill and sleep with or whatever who are like NPCs. It's a it's a whole thing. It's based off a movie from the seventies apparently. Anyway, <laughs> when he arrives at the theme park um in the eighties or whenever it's supposed to be set, the logo is different from when everyone else arrives at the theme park. Mm-hmm. But they don't linger on it. It's like a little background detail. So throughout the course of the series, people are like, are they set in different timelines? And then at the end, there's a big reveal. And then all those clues and all those context things make sense. And it was like, oh, my God, there's different timelines and stuff. And season one, I thought was trying to do a similar thing where it was having all these different uh, timelines. Yeah. And there would be a big reveal that there was different timelines. Because it was like episode three or four, whatever, where you meet a little boy king. You meet an older king as well in two separate timelines and you kind of go, oh, hang on, are they the same person? But there isn't like a big reveal. There's no big, these are all the timelines. This is how they all can, this is how yeah. they all entwine with each other. You just kind of figure it out and then the, the show just kind of moves on. There's no yeah. moment where they go, and this happened here. You just kind of have to uh, piece it Put together. Put it together. Yourself. Which, yeah, which isn't... Um, necessarily a bad thing no but it can make the show confusing oh yeah a casual viewer I, I think another reason why they also did different storylines at different times and um, for mainly because a show called the witcher i feel if they did it in chronological order Geralt wouldn't have been in it a lot you know it would just start off with yennefer and her storyline with southern hill and everything yeah yeah, and then you get to Geralt, and he would only have been what doing a couple of uh, episodes here, and then it would then immediately focus on Siri, you know, about the fall of Sintra, um, and with the Nilfgaards coming and uh, trying to look for her and her finding Geralt. So I think that's another reason because they've called it the Witcher. Geralt needs to be the main focus, and so if they did that, yeah. like, like I said, in chronological order, he would hardly be in it. So I feel that's another reason why they've also done it. As the other stuff I mentioned before, I think that's another contributing factor. But I think I think all three put together, and like you said, I think there's mixed reasons for this. And I'm, I'm kind of glad that they rectified this in season two. where Yeah, because by season two, all the timelines are caught up with each other. Yeah. yeah. I suppose you could have... There, there are other ways you could have structured it, I suppose, where like you do a couple episodes where you're following... Geralt's story and then you have an episode that is entirely about Yennefer's story and shit like that or at the very least if they were going to jump between timelines you give each timeline a distinct difference and you make the connections clearer because it's not clear like I said and this this goes down to my comments at the beginning when all of the the when the designs for the characters and the designs for the armies and all the architecture all kind of homogenizes it gets very difficult to tell which kingdoms are which yeah. and at what point in the timeline those kingdoms are set. But this is As another enough. thing that I think Netflix are wanting to do is because they're trying to make this their big thing. This is this is like a Netflix project. This is our big universe. I think they're wanting to do more like spin-offs into exploring these stuff that they've just mentioned here, you know, in like the first episode of the first mm. season. They're just planting little stuff here 
So then later on down the line, you'll have a you know more expansive universe. You know, I think that's what they're trying to do here. That's why it's so you know it's mentioned briefly here and so on, so so on and so forth. So I think that's like another thing that should be taken into account. Um, True, but you... I I also think that that's kind of worrying. The issue that people have with franchises these days, um, and why the MCU gets like a lot of flack um, from a from like film dude bros and shit like that is if you create a project that solely exists to set up another project then are you 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 don't finish any one story because you want to leave something ambiguous to spin off into another story it becomes a bit like well are we watching stories or are we just watching a series of trailers because it, it did feel like and this will be more when we get to the second season the second season of this show didn't feel so much as like a story, but a setup for the story. And um, how did you find like the explanation of a Witcher, why they exist in the universe, like their purpose and everything? Do you think season one kind of explained the reason behind um, a Witcher? See, yeah, f- for the most part, but I, I cannot remember for the life of me because again, I can't remember season one. Um, well, I can remember it, but not as as not as clearly as season two because it was a couple of years since I've seen it. But I cannot remember if it was through the show that I found this stuff out or if I Googled it. But as far as I remember, at least with season two, there is enough there where you get, you understand why witches exist. Mm. That monsters, after this convergence of the spears, yeah, the spears, yeah. spears there, the, spears. the world is populated with monsters. And yeah. so uh, mages basically create witches mm-hmm. so that they can defeat the monsters and i I feel like that was explained reasonably well but it Mm -hmm. did make me very interested in the convergence of the spheres there we go Mm -hmm. that's what i was yeah so i i i get why um witches are a thing and i guess i am interested in this prequel that they're doing Mm -hmm. which i think is about the origins of the witches but i'm more interested in this big multiverse event or whatever it was yeah like for, for me um even though I've got the full collection, I'm still like halfway through because, you know, I've got a dissertation to write this year. But I also found that quite interesting. And, you know, it gives the, a, a big reason as to why there are witchers. You know, they need to kill these horrible creatures. Um, mm. But like for me, like the reason so, why... I, what? So you're, you're only halfway through the book series? Yes. So you don't know how the series ends? No. <laughs> I, so that's the thing. I I kind of do because oh. I got very curious as to what the definitive ending was. Well, that's I don't want to get that spoiled. Does, I'm not. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you what it is. And it's not like I don't know anything. I know the fate of some characters. Um, but what's interesting is apparently the endings are kind of ambiguous because I I think the way the books end is it's like someone else is describing how it all turned out or something. I don't 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 say more. I want to discover this for myself, man. <laughs> Interested in this whole um, multiverse thing because this convergence of the spheres and what that could possibly mean. Because there are creatures in The Witcher that are based off of Polish folklore. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was fascinated by the idea that, like, okay, so if these, because I think I googled what the convergence of the spheres was. The idea is that all these kind of different realities smash into each other, and mm-hmm. that maybe these Polish folklore creatures came from another world, maybe like our, 
our world or whatever. But apparently, I suppose this is kind of a it's not a major spoiler. Tread lightly. <laughs> I w- I'll tread lightly. Apparently, as the series goes on, or at least at the end of the series, I don't know if this happens throughout, but at the end of the series, other mythological figures from different mythologies Ooh. in the real world Ooh. play a part. And I wonder, I wonder if that's if they're going to do anything like that because this seems to have more focus on the convergence of the spheres than the books do. Because as far as I can tell, the monoliths that we see in season two and in the background of season one aren't in the books or at least don't have the same presence that they do in the books. Well, I haven't caught on to that part in the books. So you'll, you'll probably have a better understanding than I do on that part because I don't, I don't think so, not in the books. Well, from what I've read, so maybe you're maybe yeah, because because I was I was curious by like, but it seemed very MacGuffin-y, very like, oh, there's these ancient uh, spike fucking things, and they're they're really important, and it's going to lead to the end of days. And I was like, I wonder how much of that is actually from the books, or if this is stuff that they've included to, I know, up the stakes or whatever, add more drama to it. And as far as I can see, these these monoliths, whatever they are, yeah, they're in the books, but they're not as important it's... as they seem to be in the show. Oh. Well, you know, by the time Witcher, uh, Witcher Season 3 comes out, hopefully I'll have completed the book series so I can come back and comment on that. <laughs> you know? Uh, so stay tuned guys wait until season three comes out and i'll give you your answer you could also google it you don't need to listen to me um you know what i could be sprouting a lot of shit but um no that's that's actually quite interesting i'm interested to look for i'm looking forward to reading about that in the books um but you know what that sort of like i don't know if it's because i've been reading like the history of sas like the special forces we have in the uk but it it sort of okay. reminds me, no, it's a really weird thing that I've just <laughs> failed to sl- see the relevance. Right? No, I feel like I'm gonna make this link really well. You're you're gonna be blown away with this, because, um, I'm 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 quite interested in like you know the OP warriors like in the military and everything like the SAS and uh, that's why I'm reading the history of SAS. It's quite interesting. It's like you know the best mm. military people. They they give no shits. They can go through so much. Uh, torture and like uh, horrible terrain and everything and they, they, they just get the job done and then they get out and reading that and you know watching the show and reading the books I can see the witchers fall into that category where you know the, uh, the witchers are these badass group of people going and kill monsters and that's them done that's they have no uh, political affiliations or anything they don't agree or disagree or anything they're just in the middle of there to kill monsters and i don't know whether if that's because i like the you know the witchers because they're just this badass force who are literally there to kill monsters and that's that and they're just so op Mm. they're they're topped up on their drugs their potions and (laughs) (laughs) because that's basically they they get they do a wee bit of like you know uh, cocaine before they get into battle <laughs> it just seem to be what it is isn't it they fucking have a little they, sniff there before a battle and their <laughs> they eyes go black and shit like that yeah and i, I don't know it's I, um so yeah reading the history of sas and then also doing like uh like a 
wee bit of notes for this episode. I'm like, oh, there's a cool wee similarity here. Like, you know, the best of the best fighting the best mons, the deadliest enemy, and then retreating off and training. So it's just a weird observation. Well, I suppose this is now a good time to switch to season two. Is there anything else you want to say about season one? Because I feel this is a good well, segue. Well, I, I feel like we should we should say that for the most part, I think season one is very well cast. I think. Oh um, yeah. The actress who plays Yennefer does a really good job. Uh, she's because she's quite young. She's I think the actress is only twenty five. She's like around then because I, I looked it up because I was curious what the age difference was between her and Henry Cavill. It's it's, it's like thirteen years. <laughs> it's, it's quite like a gap. She's twenty five. Oh my. Um. So yeah, but yeah, it's acting, I suppose. Um. But she, I think she does quite a good job because she's she's long lived. She's um. I don't think she's older than Geralt, but she's she's obviously got an extended lifespan being a witch the actress i forget her name i don't think she's been in a lot of stuff outside i think of she's the Witcher. Re- i think this yeah is, she's she's a she's quite a newcomer i think to, to the industry she does a very good job of playing someone who feels like she's been around a while she feels oh. like she's had a lot of experience and gone through a lot of stuff and mostly you get this a lot in season two i feel as well but I think the actress does a very good job of playing someone who looks young, but has lived for hundreds of years. Uh, it's like Matt Smith. And the same for, for Siri, I think. Is it Siri? It's Siri. I think she's quite good as well. She's, um, I know I, I know she's not a kid. It's that Tom Holland syndrome where because they're playing a young character and because they look kind of young, you keep thinking they're a kid. She's like, I think she's younger than us, but not by much. So even though she's like a young actress, she does, you know, she's not as young, maybe she's not as young as the character should be, but she does quite, she does, she does a good job of being naive, but strong yeah. at the same time, mm-hmm. you know? And um, she does like a lot of running away and crap like that, where she has to be saved and all this stuff. But I never get a, a big damsel in distress feeling. No. Um, and especially because I think she's new to the industry as well. It's a good performance from her. Good performances all around, I think. Yeah, o- overall, season one was good. I enjoyed season one. And a lot of my issues that I had with season one, specifically the timeline thing, are ironed out for season two. Mm-hmm. But in season two, who the fuck are the bad guys? How do you mean, who are the bad guys? Like, the main villains? Yeah, who is the actual antagonist of this series? Because I, I know cause they're trying to do the... Are they? Because the people of the Northern Kingdoms seem to be enslaving the elves. Well, this or is, is that the... Nilfgaard that are enslaving the elves? Because if Nilfgaard are the ones enslaving the elves, then why were they also working with the elves as well? Well, this is the thing. I'm not invested in the politics because I think it's all over the place. But Witcher Blood Origin, uh, the prequel series, that's going to be looking um, at the relationship between the humans and the elves and like what happened. Because obviously in this show, it looks like they... They work alongside each other until there's a significant event. Um, and this is where the author is actually stepping in to help with this series, to help with this um, new show, which is actually quite interesting because he didn't have a lot of influence in season one. I don't think he did in season two, or I think you said that uh, you found out that he did enjoy season two. So maybe that's why he's being brought into the production of this prequel that he hasn't even explored. Mm. Um. Because I think what he said about season one, 
And, and this could be another reason why it's so different to the books is because he believed in the freedom of uh, expression and artistic style. So he, he wanted the show to be a, a, as different as possible. He didn't want to have a huge influence on the show saying like, oh, it needs to be sticking to the books. Or like, oh, this character needs to do this. This event needs to be expressed in this mm. way. And he wanted to step back because uh, he believed in, you know, as, as I mentioned, freedom of expression, freedom of artistic style and all that jazz. Um, Which, but, you know what? I, I think following Game of Thrones is quite a smart move mm-hmm. um, because George R. R. Martin was so heavily connected to those first few seasons of the show yeah. that when he left, we didn't leave. He didn't like do a formal, fuck this show, I'm leaving. But he s- took a step back, apparently, to focus writing on his um, his novels, his, his last two Game of Thrones books, his last two Song of Ice and Fire books. And when he left, the quality of the show dipped yeah. So I'm not saying this had anything to do with his his logic. Maybe he considered this, maybe he didn't. But the fact that like the show begins, lives and dies by the showrunners and stuff, and he doesn't have a heavy hand means that like one, he doesn't he probably won't feel an obligation to come in and change stories and make it more accurate to his. And two, the quality won't have like a massive dip at one point because the best guy leaves. Um, so it's probably a smart move to to not get involved. But I'm curious that he's he's getting involved with the prequel. Yeah, I'm interested in what as well because I, I well, like I said, I'm already halfway through the series, but I I don't think this is something he's <laughs> gone into depth as well. So I think he wants to kind of like help in a way, you know, guide them through. It does also seem to be, yeah. It does also seem to be a trend with fantasy writers because George R. R. Martin um, is involved with the prequel series House of Dragons for Game of Thrones, which I think is based off of a a prequel book that he's written. All right. Um, he wrote a story. He wrote a novel about the uh, the Targaryens and all this shit. Um, or at least edited. Maybe he didn't write it. Maybe someone else came and wrote it and he fucking told them what to do or whatever. I'm not really sure. Um, I've not read it myself. He seems to be involved with this prequel series uh, in some capacity. And then you look at J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling is writing all of these prequel Harry Potter movies. I'm curious as to what their canonicity is to the actual books. Because in terms of the films, it's the same visual language. It's the same director, even, as the last few Harry Potter movies that is directing the Fantastic Beast movies. So, yeah, you could say that they're canon to the movies. But since it's the actual author, are those events also canon to the books, even though what happens in the movies is very different? Um, and it's the same here. If the original writer is coming back and writing this origin for the witches, is that the origin he wanted to do for the witches in his books? Or is it a new origin for this new version of the canon for the Netflix show? I think it's new origin for the netflix canon because they're building this universe that's solely for netflix i think that's why they're bringing him in bringing him in um that's my hunch i could be completely wrong Hmm. you know but considering he hasn't been involved in season one and two and now they're doing a prequel and it's not based off uh any of the books that i'm aware of they showed the trailer at the end of season two and it does actually look really good i'm really interested made me go and watch you know the prequel anime film after watching season two, I was like, oh, what are they doing with this? Um, yeah, I need to watch the anime film. 
it you know i think that's a i don't know whether to start with that and then go into season two i don't because we're talking... yeah do do that do that yeah cause let's not spend is... too much time on this because i've 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 not seen it so i don't i don't want i don't want spoilers i know it's very selfish <laughs> so you don't want me to talk I, uh... about the animated film we'll talk about it but like you can talk about something without spoiling it it's it's well basically because you uh, you were asking more about care uh, Morn, whereas like the witchers yeah. like uh stay over the winter fortress yeah yeah they're crypt um, but no, this this is where like you know the wizards and everything, yeah, used to live, and this is where witchers were made. Sorry, um, sorry. What what do you mean by their crypt? I don't know. I was just, you know, I was saying, I, I was. Uh, Did you mean to say crib? There, crib. Fuck me. Not is crib. that what you meant to say? <laughs> Shall we take that again? No, no, no. I I think leave all that in. So you uh, the the the, the prequel is about Ken Morin. They're um their crib as you so eloquently put it <laughs> yeah um, and it's also more so about uh Vesemir, uh the guy kind of in uh looking after the remaining witchers because originally is it the um is it the same actor in the anime show or film yeah is it like it, the guy who plays Vesemir in the in season two does he voice the character in the animated film no it's actually do you remember the divergent series no no Oh well, it's the main. You might be the only one who does. <laughs> no, the only reason because I was like, oh, who's who's voicing Vesmir? It's really interesting, um, and it's it's the main male lead in that film, who's voicing. What Vesemir. Miles Teller? No, not Miles Teller. In Divergent, there's another guy called Four. Yeah, he he. Oh, I don't know. I've not seen. No, it. it's that only... guy called Four. Uh, he's voicing that, um, but it's a really good. Uh, you know, if you're really interested to learning more about the Witchers, because in season two, oh, uh, at well, and also in the show, there's not a lot of Witchers left at the moment. They've all gone, and this film explores that. It also explores why Care Morn is is uh, you know in ruins. You know, it goes into depth. It explains what happened, and and explains why okay. Vesemir is like looking after the Witchers, and he discovers something about the witchers you should really watch it it's a good good prequel to uh the witcher and uh, a better understanding of these these beings so i i can't go into more detail than that because you're wanting to watch it am i right yeah i'll i'll definitely get around to it at some point <sighs> it's it's good like i gave my synopsis earlier it's good but um i will definitely watch it by the time we get around to talking about blood origin <laughs> Stay tuned, listeners. <laughs> Our next we, episode. We could do a whole episode on it before Blood Origin comes out. That'd be amazing. When does Blood Origin come out? Oh, that is a good question. Um, I want to say, off the top of my head, I think. As you Google it. it, it no. Uh, <laughs> no, man. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I generally <laughs> want to say that Blood Origin comes out I, I think google faster in the 21st <laughs> century i think it's going to be coming out wow. then um if i am correct um maybe it's 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 going to come out round about um 2022 which which is this year <laughs> that's that's i knew that i knew it came out 2022 i could have just said that 
But there's no specific. Is that serious? I fucking hate you. I absolutely hate you. It's. I hate you with every fiber of my being. <laughs> uh, the Witcher Blood Origin will be released in 2022 on Netflix. You have provided no new information that I didn't really know. <laughs> I thought you were going to find like a specific date or a time of year, but no. It hasn't given a specific I've... date, so it's not my problem Netflix haven't given us a specific date. It's not my fault, man. So actually getting to the, you know, this season two, talking about that, did you think it was an improvement on season one? Do you think uh, it was worse? Was it better? Did you enjoy it? You know, thoughts and opinions, please. Thomas. I... I appreciated that they sort of, now that all the timelines were in sync, it, mm-hmm. it felt easier to um, to follow character yes. journeys. Mm-hmm. Um, I understood a bit better where certain characters were and yeah. what certain characters were doing to the point where when Geralt uh, is talking about having to leave for Sintra and Yennefer is talking about having to leave for Sintra, I actually understood that those two characters were heading to the same place and would finally have an encounter with each other, which they eventually do. But I don't even know if the place they meet up at was in Sintra or not. This or that that place that um, Geralt was like trained at, or like learned magic or whatever when he was a kid, and he takes Siri there to get her look checked at, and then they get attacked by that fire guy and they go through a portal. That wasn't Sintra, no. Yeah, right. This, this is what I'm talking about. I don't know where any of the places are because they all fucking look the same. They all yeah. feel the same. And, and they don't do it like with um, with Game of Thrones. Again, I, I don't want to keep comparing it, but it's kind of inevitable. It's the biggest fantasy series and that was the former biggest fantasy series. With those locations, at the start of each episode, it showed you a map and you got some kind of relation as to where places were with, to each other. Yeah. I don't know what the continent looks like in the Witcher series. I don't know where certain cities are in relation to other cities. I don't know where certain armies have come from and where they're going. Yennefer gets in a boat. Oh, no, she goes to get in a boat, but then she doesn't. Her friend or that fucking captain guy, whatever his fucking name is, he gets in the boat that Yaskir acquires. And they sail off somewhere. But I thought this was all taking place on the one continent. So did that just go round the border? I don't know, because I didn't get any fucking sense of geography with this season. They were going to Sintra because that's where the elves were, you know, free. I get where they were going to Sintra, but I don't know where they were coming from. I don't know where in relation that was to Sintra. Is that on the same landmass? Are they on separate landmasses? Basically, you need to see a map. But I shouldn't have to Google a map to know where stuff is. Yeah. To understand where different locations are. If you are having characters jump around locations left and right, and they're going through portals so you don't get any sense of geography, and they're going here and it's snowing at Kermorin, but fucking it's nice and summery in the forests below, but it's all set at winter. If you're doing that shit, explain why it's different. Maybe you know, Kemorin's up in the north and the other places are down in the south or whatever. Maybe that's the case, but I don't know because I don't know the geography. Yeah. And if you're moving around a fictional location a lot, you need to establish the geography. Yeah, I think it's it's quite funny that everyone's trying to copy Game of Thrones, yet they're forgetting certain qualities that made Game of Thrones stand out. Because now that you've mentioned the map yeah. that you get at the beginning of each episode, it did 
mean a lot. It helped you as you just explained there. Mm. So it, it it is interesting, you know. And I get I, why they couldn't do it in season one because of this timeline thing. But in season two, they should have done a better job of explaining which kingdoms are where. Yeah. What ki- what each kingdom wants, and like okay, Nilfgaard, you find out they attacked Sintra because they're looking for uh, Siri. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Why do they want her? Why do the Northern Kingdoms want to? Don't want to deal with her. What are the northern? What 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 are the motivations of the people of the Northern Kingdoms? I I get that maybe in the books the political stuff is in the background, so that it's not as necessary, and the main focus is on um, Geralt and Ciri. But Yennefer's story throughout this whole season seems very connected to the politics. She goes on the run. But when she was on the run, I didn't know who she was on the run for or for what reason she was on the run. Well, I kind of lost interest with the Yennefer stories. I I, got, I was just like, nah, not, not my cup of tea. But with everyone chasing Ciri, it's all kind of explained at the end that, you know, she's of elder blood. She has this great power that whoever has her, you know, the, the odds are in their favor. You know, that's why Nilfgaard are after them or after her, why the elves want her. You know, why the mages want, you know, whoever has possession of Ciri, they're going to benefit from it. Is that what it's like in the books as well? Because I'm curious to see how how close is season two to the books? Well, the reason why I I sort of preferred season two more was because it was more aligned with Blood of Elves, the first novel, um, because the first two were short stories. This is the first novel. This one is quite close to the Blood of Elspeth, more so towards the end, and um, where the mage is trying to find out, you know, the uh, Rayans, you know, the one with his burnt face and everything, and torturing um, yeah, y- Yaskier. By the way, his name in the book is Dandelion. Don't know why they changed his name. I, I wait, whose whose name's Dandelion? You know the Yaskier. You know his the name guy? is Dandelion. Dandelion in the books, yeah. In the show, he's called Yaskier. It's not like Yaskier Dandelion. No, Dandelion. Like Dandelion, like on his birth certificate, it says Dandelion. <laughs> on his birth certificate. <laughs> like, like he was born with a name. It wasn't like a nickname. His, 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 his name's Dandelion. Name is, I'm glad they changed it to Yaskia. Yeah, but it's just, it's, it's, it's I'm weird. I'm glad. Um, I, 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 if I'd read the books, maybe I'd be more of a purist and be like, how dare they change the name? But if his name was, if his name was Dandelion in the show, I wouldn't be able to take him seriously. That's fair. I'll, t- I'll accept that. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, um, more so towards the end with Rayans um, finding Ciri and looking for Geralt, and also the stuff at Caramorn. Well, I say mo- stuff at Caramorn, some of the stuff, not all of it. Uh, there's some weird stuff, like, you know, with um, Esco and, like, the tree monster? Not in the books. Yeah. Um, that's not in the books. That's not in the books. Es- Esco doesn't the, die. Um... <laughs> it's a bit weird. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, it's like is in the, the books. There, um... In the books, um, Geralt, you know, it's just taken after uh, Southern Hill, where they, they, they've, or like they, they've united with each other, and um, because Ciri uh, is uh, Geralt's basically daughter, cause due to the law of surprise, and so it's like, mm. right, I'll, I'll take you, and we'll go to Kermorn because you'll be safe there. And in the books, uh, it kind of discovers that she has this sort of power, and it, she's called a source. The source, you know, she, she she has this magical power that can, you know, depending on what her power is used for, can be, you know, good or bad. 
Um, and that's why Geralt calls Triss Marigold to Caramorn to like kind of un- understand what her power is and everything. And they start, they did that eventually in the show, but there's no tree monster and Esco getting killed or anything. Um, it's it's well, yeah, really weird. That's, that's interesting because the the tree mo- the monster the is it the the Lessy the Leffy I can't or remember. something I I are those tree monsters from the books? I'm not aware. Or is of that them. an original? Because that creature when they 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 find it in the woods and they go and kill it and then it gets torn apart by what I thought was actually quite a creepy monster that weird kind of centipede thing and then the witch is like I've never seen anything like this before. Part of me was like oh this makes me think that this is original. Mm-hmm. And this isn't from the books because then that has like a heavy connection to the monoliths. The monoliths seem connected to this big event from the past and they seem linked to Siri. But it felt, it didn't feel natural because mm-hmm. Siri knocks down that, that spire in the first season. He meets up with Yennefer's ex boyfriend, that mage guy, and then yeah. to go on a little side quest to study where that thing came from. And mm. just between them two spitballing ideas, they seem to be like, oh, these We're towers experts. are beacons to other... To, uh, yeah, they're like, oh, these these where all the other monsters come from. I was like, That's, that seems a little out of place. Does any of that happen in the book? Well, halfway through the series, no. Not that I'm aware of. Like, So in the Blood of Elves that this is adapting from, mm-hmm. none of that monolith shit happens? No. It's more so about hunting after Ciri, about Rayant's... The, the, actually, the book opens up with um, Dandelion or Yaskier in a bar, you know, singing his tunes, and this mysterious guy asking him questions about Geralt and Ciri's going, "Oh, what's what's? Why are you asking me these questions?" And it's Rayon's Rayon's interrogating him because he wants answers. He wants to get Ciri because he's been hired by someone to track down Ciri, still unknown who this person is. And they do do that in the show. But, you know, towards the end. Mm. And then Yennefer comes in to save Yaskier in the books. And, you know, it cuts forward to Geralt and Ciri and everything. In the, in the books where Ciri and Geralt are at Caramorn, Triss is brought over to understand the source. And then when they realize that she has the source power, Geralt and Triss are like, she needs to be looked after. She needs to be taught her ways in this magical school. You need to take her to Yennefer and, you know, she'll understand what she needs to do. And then, like, the rest of the book is Geralt, Triss, and Ciri getting her to the witch, like, uh, place so that she can get looked after and knows what she has to do, control her powers and everything. And then you get a side story right. with, like, the dwarves and the elves. So it's very different. And it's more so surrounding this character, Rayans, and who is his master, why are they wanting Ciri, we need to protect Ciri, and so on and so forth. So the book. So is, how does sh- how does the book of elves end? Book of elves ends with um, a big fight between Rance and the, his gang while uh, Geralt is. Which one? Which ones? Which ones? Rance again? The mage who has the burnt face. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Which you do get in that episode. You know, it, I I did like. It. I was like, oh, that sort of happened, but it's not hundred percent accurate. Where you get that mini brawl and like the. Uh, in the place where they're trying to look after Siri, because you see, there's like little elements then, that are similar. Yeah, but and it's then not. Yennefer and Siri leave through that portal. Yeah, yeah. Does it's that not... happen in the book? Uh, well, no. This is the other thing. Siri is not with Geralt at this point. There, Rayans finds Geralt who thinks Siri has, or Geralt is with Siri, and so that's why they have this fight. And there's another mage there. It's very different from the show. 
Like the ending of the show does not happen in the books. It's, so I have just right. come to the so... conclusion that this is a completely different universe and I should just stop comparing it to the books. Because I am interested then because part of me is like, this show seems the direction it's going in seems to be that these these monoliths, I keep wanting to call them spears. That's my I don't brain know why. for some reason keeps going to sp- I don't know why either. But these, these monoliths seem to be like the big MacGuffin of this season. And the mm-hmm. end of this of this season has to do with a witch m- creature that seems to be based off of Baba Yaga. Yeah. And that witch seems to be from another universe, pulling creatures through the spears through Siri. Siri's fate in the show seems connected to these monoliths. And I want to know what Siri's fate is like in the books. Because I want to know, because like, she seems very important. Is she this important in the books as well? Yeah, because it's, you know, of her elder blood and everything. Because she's a yeah, source. Which, yeah, which they do in, they do in the show. Mm-hmm. But there's that extra connection to the monoliths. And I'm yeah. curious to see if that, like, what is the comparison between that and the books? And I probably should just read the books myself and learn that way. Mm. But it's like if they are gonna invent this this new, or like sort of reinvent something that I think is kind of exists in the in the books. I get that it, you know that way you don't necessarily people who've read the books don't necessarily know where the season's gonna end, where the show's gonna end, because yeah, you've read the books, so you know one ending. Maybe the show's gonna do something slightly different, and they're gonna add this this monolith subplot. But I don't know it. Part of me is like, why is it so different? It felt not not so different because I've got nothing to compare it to, but the monoliths did feel kind of out of place mm-hmm. and I, a little I, vague. Yeah, and I very mean, plot heavy because this this random mage and not like he's a random witcher, but he is kind of a random witcher. Sort of figure out something that is huge and could mean everything for the civilization, and that was what kind of oh, took me out of it. But made me go, oh, this feels too. That these two characters suddenly meet up with each other. They go to this one site and they go, oh, this means like the end of the universe, whatever. It yeah. felt, I don't know. I, I get too what easy. you mean. Well, th- this is the thing that's kind of been bothering me for a while with this show. Like, should these type of uh, stories, you know, based off books and being turned into films, you know, Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, and all that. Like, it's made me question, like, how loyal should they be to the books? Should they 100% recreate what's happened in the pages and turn it onto screen? Or, you know, what the author of this show said, he did. He wanted freedom of, of um, expression, artistic expression. You know, that's why he didn't have a lot of involvement. So it's always left me wondering, you know, what's best? Recreating the books or taking the material and creating something completely different on screen? Two, just two different stories. But surrounding the same mm. themes, like what, what, what do you think? Because you're, you've done your English stuff. It's always something that's been intrigued <laughs> with me. I, I always think that like when you're adapting something, you should have the freedom to do your own thing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, another Harry Potter, another fantasy series is what I'm going to say. Harry Potter. I think there are certain things that the movies do better than the books, and there are certain things the books do better than the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, almost I think after the third book, but uh, it kind of happens in all of them. 
you get to the end, you get to the third act, and it's a big climactic moment, and every book, more or less, but it gets worse after the third one, ends with a character giving a big monologue mm-hmm. about everything that's happened over the course of the last year. And the reason for that is because J.K. Rowling wrote all of her stories from the point of view of Harry Potter. And when it gets to the point where a character needs to explain their backstory, instead of cutting to that character's point of view and we live through flashbacks, we hear of it yeah. through Harry. Mm. And it gets very tedious in some of the books. The worst one is the third one, in my opinion. The third one and the fourth one. Because in the third one, Remus gives like a big speech. Yeah, but yeah. it takes forever for him to get to the point. And when he, because he keeps like getting in, because I think she was trying to make it more dynamic, but it just feels stunted. Because he'd start talking and then he'd go on a tangent, and then Sirius is like, blah, 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 you're an asshole. You you should do this, blah, blah, blah. And then Remus is like, I'm getting to it. I'm getting, and it's very, it's very tedious. But in the movies, all of those big monologue scenes are either told through flashbacks or they are cut down to the bare essentials, which is why in the third Harry Potter film, you don't find out about Remus. You don't find out about why the Whomping Willow is there. You don't find out about the Marauders. Even though you find the Marauders map, you don't learn that the Marauders were Harry's parents. Or sorry, Harry's dad and his friends. And, you know, that's a strength of the adaptation. The adaptation took something that was a little weak in the books and made it stronger. You know? Whereas... Same with like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones streamlined a bunch of plot points from the books. I've not read them, but I've heard that they like there were certain things that they just cut out. Same with Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, they cut all the unnecessary plot beats and added more action because a lot of the books are just people talking or people walking or shit like that. So they added a few more action beats to keep the movie dynamic, you know? Like that entirely pointless scene where Aragorn whether you get attacked by the wargs and Aragorn falls off that cliff and gets washed downstream and then he gets found yeah. by his horse and then he rides back to Minas Tirith. That doesn't happen in the None books. of that is in the book. No, none of that's mm. in the books. And you can tell because that scene does essentially nothing. People think he's dead for a bit and then he comes back. Aragorn doesn't learn anything, I don't think. You know, it's just they added it in because if they just walked to Minas Tirith and everything was fine, there's no drama in that for a film. True. So adaptations should have freedom. They should be able to they should be able to reinterpret things. However, it should make sense within its own context. Fair enough. And I think The Witcher needs to do a lot of cleaning up. I think personally the individual armies, the individual houses and kingdoms need to feel more distinct Mm -hmm. and if this monolith plot is going to be their big added extra that weaves in for the rest of the narrative they need to make it feel more organic yeah because i've never read the witcher books but even i started to think hang on how how canon is this monolith thing yeah because and it wasn't like because for the most part it, it made sense. It seemed to work. You've got these, you hear about this conjunction of the spheres, which is from the books. So they take an event from the books, expanding it a little bit. Throughout season one, you see a bunch of monoliths in the background. 
Siri knocks one of them over in season one. So when you pick that up in season two, it's like, okay, fair enough. You're, you're following on from like a previously established plot point. But that scene where they're in the trench and Witcher, I keep calling him Witcher, Geralt. Geralt. G- Geralt and that mage guy, whose name I completely forget. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Istra. Them two, between just talking, seem to figure out exactly what the deal is. Oh, not exactly. I guess there is still some mystery about this, this prophecy or whatever. But they seem to be like, oh, so the spheres merged, then separated, and now these monoliths are calling monsters from these other universes, and we're going to get a whole plethora of monsters coming through, and it's connected to Ciri somehow. And it felt too plot conveniency. Mm-hmm. That these two characters who've never met before are portaled together, they go to a location look around and then they go okay we figured it out we know what's happening when it's like surely that is something that would affect everyone and you would have loads of people studying the monoliths and trying to figure this out and yet these two random people just solve it in like a day that really fascinates me the amount of this that is invented i feel overall like this season in particular is a um i I believe the term is like world building where they're showing like Mm. the various portals various worlds you know, the relationship between the elves and the humans, Nilfgaard. Now we can build this world because I don't think we got that across in for season one. And I think that's what they're doing here because it, it leaves on a cliffhanger with, you know, the real, uh, the guy in charge of uh, Nilfgaard, that being Ciri's dad and everything. It's like <gasps> shock horror. Um, so it's a lot of world building. And I think that's where you yeah, get is the that, Is that from the books? Yeah, that's 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 from the books. That uh, the person I'm terrible with names, because uh, half the time I can't pronounce them. But that's <laughs> the guy in charge of Nilfgaard, or like the emperor of Nilfgaard, is Ciri's dad, and um, because you hear about right how she lost her parents in a boating accident, um, but from from what it looks like, he traveled to Nilfgaard. He obviously is aware of what Ciri is and the power she has and her importance, the blood of elves and everything. So obviously he's coming with this big at bad army, trying to find her because she know he knows what she can do. So that that's like the big twist at the end right. for people who haven't read the books. Going, <gasps> shock horror. That's also why you saw quite a lot of flashbacks or Siri reliving like a memory in her past, and you see her mum and dad. Yeah, yeah. Did they have to establish what the dad they looks ha- like yeah. for that reveal to to land? If, yeah, because if that wasn't there. I would feel that a lot of people would go, okay, so it's just a new baddie. I guess we'll find out in season three. The, the, they had to show him being yeah. the dad, and they go, oh, shit. Because they would have also forgotten he was in season one. He's the headshot guy who then turns into a human again. Do you remember that in season oh, yeah, one? Oh, because, yeah, because yeah. That's, um, that's when a the lost surprise. Yeah. a lot. Right. I, also, this is, this is kind of, this is sort of relevant. Um, that law surprise thing, I like it, but it, it feels like he worked backwards. He wanted, when he when he started writing the Witcher series, he knew that he wanted Yennefer and Geralt, two magic users who have been affected by mutations and mage magic and all this crap, who are now infertile because of it, have an mm-hmm. adopted child who is the most important person. And he was like, how do I get it? 
helps that these two people who would never want to start a family, who would never want to adopt a child, end up with a kid. Okay, maybe he has to claim that daughter through some ancient law. Okay, what can that law be? Because it feels weirdly specific to be like, oh, the law of surprise. I claim that which you own, but do not yet know. And then it's it, cool, but though. that I extends like it. to a kid. It's cool, but the fact that it extends to a kid makes it feel like well, that, I think... that, that feels like it should be separate, you know? If you don't know you have a kid, but someone else claims it through law of surprise, they now get a claim to your kid. That seems a little fucked. Unless this is taken from like Polish mythology, which it seems a it's, lot of, um, it's a lot loosely of this is tied. Kind of inspired by. It's loosely tied to uh, actual mythology of uh, Slavic and Polish origin. So what the last they, surprise? Yeah, it's an ancient oh, co- is it? concept. Yeah, because uh, I I was interested in it because I've actually got an article going. What the heck is law surprise? It's an ancient concept within the world of The Witcher, loosely tied to actual mythology of Slavic and Polish origin. Because oh, it feels very yeah. specific to be like. Because then they call it a child surprise. Child of surprise. Right? Yeah. Is it they, yeah, like it has a specific name. So it feels like you have the Laura surprise, and then there's like a little like notation beneath that that's like a separate rule like if they have a kid that they don't know about that kid becomes theirs like that feels like it should be separate yeah no but no it's kind of cool how there's two the 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 terms uh can be defined as one of the two things so the first thing that comes to greet you when returning home perhaps a dog you know at the gate or even your mother-in-law or something or what you find at home yet don't expect you know, a lover mm-hmm. or indeed a child. So it's it's an interesting, obviously it's based on, loosely based on, you know, these two mythologies. So it's interesting. I, I, I just kind of like it. I think it's a cool wee, I don't even know what to call it in the, yeah. in the story, but it's just I, nice. I do like it, but I know it was, it was weird that within this, within this law, there is like a sub law as well. It also feels weird that Geralt would claim the law of surprise. Well, because surely he'd be cautious about getting a child. It's like if he didn't want a child surprise and he knows child surprise is possible by claiming the law of surprise, surely you just wouldn't claim the law of surprise. Oh, you can never get a child. I, th- I think it was also in like season one how he was going like Destiny's bullshit, you know? Like, that's like Destiny yeah. can go fuck itself. And then it was like, oh, fuck. And it was kind of him refusing. To believe in like you know destiny hence you know why the timelines as i mentioned that like the very beginning why the timelines all skew whiffy to kind of highlight that no matter where people are destiny will still bring them together and so it's all about him sort of realizing and the importance of destiny you know the magic in this world i like it i'm not i'm not too head over heels with it i can see why you know what your your points that you made are quite valid and i kind of understand that it's cool. I mean, because I, I kind of do like, like, like the don't, relationship. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, mm-hmm. I do think, because I, I do really like the fact that these three people are linked by some form of destiny. Yeah. And I think that's, I think because there is so much emphasis on a destiny, that with this monolith being added in, all I'm hoping for is that, especially because like, when I Googled it and you find out that the ending of the books is kind of vague. Not vague, but there's like different interpretations apparently or whatever. I don't know. You'll find out when you get to the books, I suppose, at the end of the books. I want there to be a definitive ending that they're working towards. If there is all this destiny surrounding the three of these characters, I want there to be a payoff. 
Yeah. Because Game of Thrones for years had all these. I keep comparing it to Game of Thrones, but fucking whatever, get over it. But um, it is. It's had, Netflix's Game of Thrones, unfortunately. Like yeah, Lord of the Rings that, is that seems to be Amazon's Game of Thrones, you know? Will of Time, I think, is more their Game of Thrones. Oh, is all oh, right. Because well. I, I, I think, although it, we'll talk about this another time. <laughs> um, because there is an emphasis on Destiny, you want there to be a payoff. In Game of Thrones, for years, there was all these setups and teases, all this stuff that you thought was going to lead somewhere, all the stuff about Jon Snow's legacy and who his mother was and all this stuff the white walkers and what they what their goal was and why they were wanting a march south you know who was mm-hmm. going to end up on the iron throne why daenerys had like these three dragons and the connection to the red comet all this stuff seemed to be building up to a big payoff and maybe there is a big payoff in the in the books but the show you get to the end and they were just like ah fuck it the term that was used a lot was subvert expectations yeah which kind of has like a dirty ring to it now because of that show but you can subvert expectations in a good way but because they set up all these clues and people are following the clues to a certain ending and then they change the ending because they're like well people guess the ending so we're gonna we're gonna mix things up now stupid fucking concept or whatever the fact that it's happened before in a big fantasy series and it's ended up deflating the ending i'm i'm hoping that it doesn't happen here and that the witcher continues and we get to see a definitive ending and that it pays off in all the fate and destiny that's come before it. But if they're inserting stuff that isn't from the books and the books did have a definitive ending and they did have a fulfilling of fate and destiny, is the show going to change that? And if it does change it, is it going to be unsatisfying? And there's not anything in this season that's really made me think that other than the inclusion of this monolith. I mean, overall, for me, like, with season two, I feel like I've kind of gone over it. Like, I felt it was a wee bit more closer with the books, and I was happy about that. I was a big fan how it was a wee bit more linear. I say a wee bit. It was a lot more linear. (laughs) Um, And I really liked the relationship between Ciri and Geralt. I thought that was really good. You know, it was quite clear. It was, like, a a father-daughter, you know, bonding. Because at the beginning, you know, they were quite you know, apprehensive with one another. And then you can kind of yeah. see that progression through the episodes by the time at the very end or like the second last episode, how they're both going like, you know, I think it's a moment where Siri's with Yennefer and they're like, he's, she's describing his traits or something and why, you know, she enjoys spending time with him. Like you could see it develop and it was really nice to see. And again, yeah, definitely. I, I, I was quite interested with like the beef, uh, the beef, I don't know why I said that word, but basically the, the relationship between the elves and like, um, and the manipulation with like the Nilfgaards and the elves, how they were just using uh, using the elves to defeat their enemies, you know, that twist at the end, I, I kind of like that. So I felt there were some good elements. The sword fighting was good as well. I, like I said, I'm, I'm more interested to see what they're going to do in the future, like with Blood, of, um, Blood Origins, you know, the prequel. And where they're going to go. Mm. Because, like I said, this season was more so getting the world right. You know, planting seeds so that they can develop this later on in the future with various other series. Because I I generally have no idea how long or how many series Netflix are wanting to do. There's a season three. There's a prequel. There's going to be another animated anime film. They're doing a lot. 
by the by the end of um this the the first novel where do the characters end up at the end of the first novel um again it's very very different where uh siri and yennefer are together um as you know yennefer is teaching siri to control her powers and it kind of ends with them there and then gerald fighting rayans who then disappears because his master opens a portal and he is left confused as to like who is this person i need to know why they're hunting down siri and mm. that's pretty much how the first novel ends so compare that with how right. the ending of the first the second season ended very different and i do find it interesting that henry cavill has said he wants the shows to follow the books a wee bit more that's Take that as you may i wonder he's not so fussed about the success of the show maybe he's he's maybe to... miffed yeah maybe uh, the only reason i ask is because the fact that the the second season and that first book started off in a similar place but have ended in very different places i wonder if they're either they're even going to bother adapting the book so if they're just going to take bits and pieces here and there because if they were going to because there's like what eight books all together two of them are short stories aren't they i believe no three of them are short stories two, two of them are short stories i think the newest the last one he did is uh, i think another prequel but around around about the same time as the short stories oh that's that's the one i got you isn't it yeah because it was re- it was released last it was the last the stories one... are set before a bunch yeah. of stuff mm-hmm. but because you know what happens by the end of the series there's like more it's more references to the end or something yeah mm. but i i was curious then because if if there are like three short story books and season one has covered most of the short stories, maybe, or whatever, then that would kind of imply that they're only going to do about, like, six seasons, seven seasons. I don't know. Um, If they are going to stick to the books. But if they're not sticking to the books, maybe they're just going to go on for as long as they want. I don't know if they're also probably linking with the games, because at the end, with the Wild Hunt, most people Mm. will... People who have played the game, especially Witcher 3, they, they would have reacted to that... Uh, in at the end of the show, seeing the wild hunt, you know. So is I don't that know. is that from the books, the wild hunt? It's from the books, yeah. But I I presume like I, I haven't come across them in the books yet. But I presume that is later on. The only reason why I was like, oh my god, is because I played the game, and um, so yeah. it could. That's why I'm jumping to the conclusion, going like, maybe they're bringing the various source it, materials together, and you know, is the showrunner the same? for season two as was season one i could not tell you i have no idea because i i remember i think it was the director of season one of the showrunner i'm gonna quickly look that up was talking about how they wanted it to line up with the books more than the show so if that has changed i wonder if they are going to lean into more of the the games then Mm. oh I've just remembered one other thing. Like, you know the opening episode of season two? Um, and it's this... Yeah. They go into this house with the beast. Um, it's, it's basically like Beauty and the Beast, where he's a lovely guy and he's he's got a curse and everything and he's in love with this creature. Yeah? Yes. That is a short story from the first book. Oh, interesting. That so they've it's kind like, of updated, it's all, I guess. Yeah, because when I was watching that first episode, I'm like... Hmm, this is I was like, oh well this is not the the based on Blood of Elves, but then I was going like this is awfully familiar to us like another Geralt story. It's like, oh wait a minute, it's, 
it's from the last wish like wait a minute what 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 are they doing here that's when i was getting like well i'm just gonna accept <laughs> this is a different they're doing their own fucking thing they're just doing their own thing that's that's when i was just like no nah, just switch off set just watch I, it i do think that the uh the the first episode of each um of each season is probably my favorite because i think the first episode of season one was really good in kind of like establishing the character had mm-hmm. some really great gr- blah, 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 can't talk. some really great um sword choreography um some interesting sort of like setups for the future and all that shit and the same with uh, season two. I thought season two's short story episode because it did feel the most. Um, it makes sense that it's a short story because when you watch it, it does feel the most uh, self-contained. Mm-hmm. Um, very little. I mean, you, you, there's obviously the Yennefer stuff that leads on to other stuff, but the the Geralt story in that feels very self-contained. It's not right. We have to go do this to do this. It's just they happen to end up at a house and a thing happens. And I really liked that because there's a lot of thematic stuff about the meaning of a monster, yeah. which was really good, which for the rest of the season, they don't really get into. They kill every monster that they come across. There's no doubt about what a monster is. And I think that was another thing that kind of left a bit of disconnect where you start off the show. The first scene is all about establishing him as a monster killer. And then season two starts with an episode that questions what it means to kill monsters. Yeah. What is a monster and what isn't? And then for the rest of the season, they're just training Siri on how to kill monsters. Yeah. And I that mean... kind of nuance disappears. And I get it. I get why they did it. But it was a bit weird to be like, sometimes humans are monsters too. But anyway, yeah. we're going to go back to killing monsters now. I, I hope there's an end game that they're working towards. Because the book series is finished, there is like an established ending. Mm-hmm. And if the show is introducing its own elements, I hope they know where those elements are going. And they're not just going to use them to be like, here's another spin-off, here's another spin-off. Um, and I really hope that as the show goes on, if it is popular, that maybe it is a little more accurate to the books and maybe they create a more distinct visual design yeah for the many kingdoms and stuff um well you but know yeah, what that's, I... that's my thought yeah i mean i've i've I'm, I'm just happy i'm just interested to see what they do next i'm a, I'm a witcher fan i want to see what they do i want to see more of the continent um but i think that's a that's a good place to round up our discussion there i've had fun thomas have you you know yeah yeah I, like i'm I'm not the biggest Witcher fan. The extent of my knowledge is the show and the first little brief part of the game. And fantasy but games I, I and enjoy shows. It. And I, I feel like I feel like we've not actually talked about this, but I really like Henry Cavill's Geralt. He is good. He is good. I do I like him um, as well. He does a good job. Um hopefully he can keep I, this I up. I think he's he clearly he clearly cares about the character. And I'm hoping that because he's he seems to be the biggest draw that he can use that to kind of if he isn't happy with the series, maybe he can um direct use his right. influence to Yeah. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed. Well we also noticed that I feel when we do talk about season three we'll be better equipped. I'll have hopefully finished the books 
and you'll have caught up on the game. So this was a tester run, so don't worry. We were testing the waters with The Witcher. <laughs> I um, sneezed there. My bad. Uh, okay. You know what I'd like? What? If they do upgrade, I say if, when they upgrade The Witcher 3 to the PS5, I'd love if they added uh, an ability where you can change Geralt to look like Henry Cavill. We'll find out. We have to wait and see, man. <laughs> we have to wait and see. Um, so what are we doing next week? Oh, don't do this to me because we've recorded these out of order. I think next week is Fast and Furious. Yes. So we're going to be talking about Fast and Furious, the Fast the fast Saga, um, with, yes. uh, with a special guest. We'll leave that as a mystery, but there is a special guest on the way. And I mean this when I say this, but this guest... <laughs> Is an act is an actual expert. He has done work for these don't, films. Don't 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 hype him up. Don't hype him up. No, because <laughs> people people might if anyone listens doesn't like oh I I can't wait for an actual expert and it's just Bruce talking about. Shh, don't give his name. How he likes the Rock. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, um, mystery guest number three is it? Number three, it's Bruce. Um, anyway. And so then after that episode, we're going to we talk don't need about to know our after favorite that. comics. Oh yes, well, let's just let's just get people excited hyped. for what's to come. I'm looking forward to that one because we're, gonna be we're doing we're doing our favorite comic. We're going to talk about Book of Boba Fett as well in a couple yeah. of weeks when that wraps up. Yeah. We're going to talk about the Dark Knight trilogy in preparation for the Batman. We're going to talk about the Batman. We're going to talk about We've got a lot of stuff coming up that we're talking yeah. about. You excited? So, I'm I'm very excited. So if you want I'm to, not. oh, <laughs> fuck off. Um, <laughs> so if if you want to, you know, listen. Hopefully, you know, if you want to listen to these episodes, you uh, stay close to our social media pages on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, that is Kate you don't first have to pod. listen to them. It's fine. It's fine. We get it. It's okay. We get it. We understand. Right. Let me just do my outro. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, follow us. Uh, follow us on our social media pages where we upload. Um, the latest podcast ep- episodes and also everything movies and TV related. You know, we like to keep you up to date. What what is our Twitter handle? Um, Cape Verse Pod. If not, just if you follow us on Instagram, <laughs> just, just type in Cape Verse Podcast. You'll find us. Um, but yeah, um, follow us on social media. Uh, thank you for listening, and hopefully. We'll see you in the not-so-distant future. Your voice broke there. Please keep that in. <laughs> Fuck Please keep that you. In. <laughs>